Welcome to Diamond Gems. This is a bonus episode. Today we are going to be delivering you some uh, some extra content here. We actually recorded it on our last episode, but it just ran so long that we figured it would be better to you know break it up and uh, do it as a two part episode. So today we are just going to be discussing our all time New York Mets team. You know, this is a series that we've been doing. If you wanted to go back and listen to some of the other teams that we've done so far. Um, we've basically just been going in chronological order of like when these teams have been created uh, or like when these teams were founded, essentially. Um, so that has taken us to our New York Mets team. And what we do is we just break down. Uh, basically, we create like out of all the players who have, have been a part of the, the franchise of said team, uh, we take the best of the best and we create like our ultimate lineup that features you know the the batting lineup and starting positions as well as um, five starting pitchers and three bullpen arms so uh, yeah we find ourselves today talking about the New York Mets so a little intro about the New York Mets franchise essentially uh, they joined the National League in 1962 they reside in Queens, New York, which is a borough of New York City. They were the third National League New York team, which is kind of interesting. Uh, they followed the departed Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Giants. The blue and the orange colorway uh, that you see in their jerseys actually came from the the Dodgers was the blue, and then the orange came from the Giants. So they kind of wanted to, you know, incorporate the history of those other two franchises into the Mets and that's why you get the orange and the blue uh, I personally love their their pinstripe jerseys to this day the black Mets jersey is also a classic um, but yeah in their inaugural season they earned themselves the worst MLB record of all time since the in- introduction of the 1962 season posting a brutal 40 and 120 record however seven years later they Talking about starting from the bottom. Seven years later, they'd win their first ever World Series. Uh, This team was coined the Miracle Mets. The 1969 Mets were the Miracle Mets, uh, defeating the heavily favored Baltimore Orioles. They'd also go on to win their second World Series title in 1986. Um, They also won the National League pennant in 2000 and 2015 as well. Um, Yeah. So also, uh, we, we like to talk about their their stadiums every now and then. That's something we we like to look into the history of. Um, the New York Mets have had three different homes. Greg, uh, can you name can you name all three, or do you only know two? I know City and Shea for sure. Um, and the only one, the only other one I know would only be because you have it listed here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is a fun fact for me. As Greg mentioned, uh, they currently play in City Field, which was two thousand and nine. Yeah, 2009, they moved into City Field. Uh, prior to that, they were at Shea Stadium, which was also the home of the New York Jets. Uh, that was a huge stadium. It was like a five-tiered, 55,000-capacity stadium. Um, the Yankees even played at Shea Stadium for a bit, which is kind of interesting. Didn't know that either. It was just while they were renovating uh, the current Yankees, like the the, the Yankee Stadium facilities. Um, but... They also played at the Polo Grounds. <laughs> That's how long this team's. I, I did not realize the Polo Grounds were around until, you know, this like sixty four ish. 
or something like that. But yeah, they played their first two seasons at the Polo Grounds. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's Today, that's the the stadium you play on MLB The Show just to see if you can hit it out dead center. Yeah, and no one can. <laughs> and it's you can't. like physically impossible. We've, Isaac and I have spent hours doing like uh, home run derbies and trying to hit bombs straight up the middle. And yeah, it's never happened. So can't, can't do it. Um, but yeah, city field, actually one of the, one of the quirks with their like current facility is they have that, uh, magic hat in center field that has like the apple come up uh, Mm -hmm. whenever someone hits a home run. I didn't realize this, but they actually took that. That was a thing that was at Shea stadium, uh, before. And they, they kind of brought that as part of the, as part of the history there. Interesting. So, yeah. I mean, today, today's Mets fans, Greg, have faced their fair share of pain, often underperforming based on their on-paper team. Uh, obviously, they had a big offseason this year, hoping to change their fortunes. They've acquired some big names like Max Scherzer, Starling Marte, uh, a couple other smaller, less less uh, notable guys, but you know, guys that will hopefully help contribute nonetheless. So without further ado, let's get into our all-time Mets team. Isaac, why don't you lead us off with your catcher, the place we always start? Okay. Well, he's the only Hall of Fame player, position player, sorry, to enter the hall with the Mets hat on, and that is Mike Piazza, the slam dunk of catchers. We This was arguably the best offensive catcher of all time. Played from 1998 to 2005. That's eight total seasons. He's responsible for one of the most famous and memorable home runs in MLB history with a shot in the first game in New York after 9-11. His stats with the Dodgers in sorry, his stats with the Dodgers and where he posted a 160 OPS plus over seven years versus 136 plus an eight with the Mets. In those eight Mets years, though, he had four silver sluggers and six all-star appearances. He had a 296 batting average, 373 OBP, a 542 slug, which works out to be a 915 OPS. I do want to touch on his career figures just because of how significant they were. Um, 12-time All-Star, 10-time Silver Slugger, 427 home runs, and 396 of those as a catcher, which is, high, which is the highest in MLB history. He has 1,335 RBIs, which is fourth among all catchers. He finished his career with a 306 average. It's pretty clear that he is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, offensive catchers in the sport. Um, number 31 has been retired by the Mets, and so forth. There's nothing... I mean, there's so much you can say about Mike Piazza. He's, he got booed when he first arrived in New York because they boo everybody, the Frankie Lindor treatment. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to move on to first baseman. They've had some solid first baseman, Keith Hernandez, Ed Cranepool, who has played the most games in franchise history, uh, John Olerud, and Carlos Delgado, who have already been selected to the Jays, and Pete Alonso, who is the home run derby GOAT, and holds a single-season franchise record for home runs at 53. And thanks to the St. Louis Cardinals cast, the first baseman Keith Hernandez is a Met. Despite spending more years along with an MVP season in St. Louis. So Keith Hernandez plays, played seven seasons from 1983 to 1989. Arguably the most beloved Met in franchise history. Ask a Mets fan how they feel about him not being in the Hall of Fame. He has one of the strongest cases in MLB history to be in the Hall of Fame, and I, Mets fans are very upset about that. Every article I read says the same thing. 
<laughs> five gold gloves and one silver slugger in his seven seasons in New York. 11 total gold gloves in 17 years is good for the most all-time by a first baseman and eighth all-time for any position. He is second all-time on the Mets for career average after Olerud at 297. He led the Mets to the World Series in 1986. With the Mets, along with his 297 average, he had a 387 OBP and an 816 OPS over 880 games. His offensive numbers are fairly modest in comparison to what he brought defensively, but overall, he was one of the greatest Mets of all time. Uh, go to second baseman. This isn't quite as strong over here. Uh, from 1995 to 2001, he played eight seasons. We have Edgardo Alfonso. His time was almost an even split between second and third base, but third is definitely occupied already. Nothing's going to blow you away here, but Alfonso was still a solid player. Uh, he holds the two highest war seasons by a second baseman in franchise history. Uh, they both came in 1999 and 2000. 1999 was his first and only Silver Slugger award season, and 2001 was his first and only All-Star appearance. Alfonso had a 29 0.6 war with the Mets, which is easily the highest of second baseman in history, franchise history, sorry, and good for fourth out of all Mets positional players. Over his eight seasons, he had 120 home runs, a 292 average, 367 OBP, 425 slug, and an 812 OPS. He is also part of the Mets Hall of Fame. Um, an honorable mention to one of Jacob's favorite players at a certain point, which is Daniel Murphy. Um, I don't know if he wants to say anything <laughs> about Danny there, but you know Daniel Murphy, fantasy legend. Fantasy <laughs> he, legend. he carried my fantasy team for like three seasons in a row. Yes. I I would just get all these sluggers and then just get Daniel Murphy to carry my batting average. It was beautiful. Beautiful. Also, beautiful. Isaac just wanted to jump in quick and say uh, Keith Hernandez also a Seinfeld legend. Yes. He did have his cameos. I didn't. I I was reading that. I didn't put in my notes. I should have. Um, yeah, yet yes. a couple episodes, I think, like two or three even, where he was like Jerry's buddy, basically. Yes. Third base, David Wright, obviously, 2006 to 2016, and two at bats in 2018. So I didn't really count that. 14, well, 13 point, I don't know. 14 seasons, two at bats in 2018. Oh, take it how you want. A potential Hall of Fame career derailed by injuries. He is the Mets' all-time leader in hits, RBIs, runs, doubles, and position player war at 49.2. Second place is 30, and for reference, second place is 36.6. So is he the greatest Met of all time is the question that needs to be asked. Quick yes or no. Quick. No explaining. Yes. Yeah. Done. Perfect. To me, he's of, the face of the in, franchise. In our memory. I, I literally I immediately to both to start justifying <clears throat> I no, it. fuck okay. it. I don't care. I, I'm. I don't. I don't listen to you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> to me, when you think of the Mets, he's the first guy I think of. Okay. Yeah. By a long shot. Done. So, Done. That's why. Well, it's also our say. our era too. It's 2004 to 2016. We were li- that's our entire childhood. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's a seven-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove, two-time Silver Slugger. David Wright is currently the only Met who has spent their entire career there. Not only was he one of the best on the fields, but he's been one of the best off the field as well. 
raising over a million dollars through his foundation and a whole lot of other things if you care about i mean you should care about that but if you want to look into the off the field stuff then look into that but we're here to talk about on the field his ops plus was 133 296 average 376 obp 491 slug, 867 OPS, 242 home runs, 390 doubles, 1,777 hits, 970 RBIs, 949 runs, over 1,585 games. Very easy statement to make, but these numbers could have been much, would have been much higher if it weren't for his injuries. Um, Honorable mention to Howard Johnson, who spent nine seasons in New York, and this is crazy to me. I didn't know who this guy was. I probably should have. He had three, three 30 home run, 30 steal seasons. There's only three guys that have more in MLB history. It's Bobby Bonds, Barry Bonds, and Alfonso Soriano. And his nine, 192 home runs is second only to Daryl Strawberry in franchise history. Um, I'm going to move to shortstop. Go quickly through this one because fuck him. But it's Jose Reyes, 2003, <laughs> 2011. He was, we loved him, and then he broke everyone's heart because he's a gigantic piece of shit who makes horrible music also. Um, 12 seasons, franchise leader in stolen bases at 408 and triples at 113. This one's not even close. The Mets haven't had a shortstop close to this caliber. Um, I mean, he's assaulted his wife. That's why I'm saying that in Hawaii uh, on vacation. It's worth mentioning, he also, I already said it, horrible music, again, horrible music, horrible person, horrible music. Honorable mention to Bud Harrelson, who played in the late 60s through the 70s, who holds a team record for defensive war and has played in the fourth most games in franchise history. Um, Super quick question for you. Yeah. Um, if we're if we're talking best ever, including future outlook, do you see Frankie Lindor making a push for that, or is it too late in his career? Just based off that first season, it concerns me. But I think I, I do think there's a chance he gets that. But he doesn't he doesn't bring one special skill to the table where he's gonna be a career leader in a in a category. He's not gonna be home runs. He's not gonna be stolen bases. Obviously, um, he he does everything well, but he doesn't do anything spectacular. So I don't know if he's gonna mm-hmm. actually stand out Fair over enough. the long run. We'll see. I but think you I gotta mean, have like years. some some element of your game that's super flashy, right? Yeah. In order well, his, to, his defense. To make that happen. His defense, defense is, is incredible. It is. Um, but I don't. It's so hard to tell. He has a long. He has the time to do it, but it's concerning after he had an entire season where we thought he was gonna get hot, but he never did. He was cold for 162 games. I don't know if he was not. He was healthy too, wasn't he? For the most, yep. yeah. As like, far as we yeah. know, he was concerning. So he did get injured once, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I I think relatively healthy. Yeah. Um, also, the fact that he plays at City Field. Yeah. Very uh, pitcher friendly park now. That could affect his so his overall Shea. numbers. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess whatever. Leading off with the first overall pick, it, we're going to Dale Field now. So leading off with the first overall pick, all the way back in 1980, it is Daryl Strawberry, who also makes the case to be one of the best Mets. Uh, 1983 to 1990, he played eight seasons, all-time franchise home run king with 252, with a signature stance in the swing. Um, rookie of the year in 1983, followed by eight consecutive All-Star appearances. 
Second in positional war in franchise history at 36.6. First in franchise history with a 145 OPS plus in eight seasons with the Mets. We love Daryl Strawberry. He had a personality and he slugged 263, 359, 520, and 875 OPS over eight seasons. Along with the OPS plus and the home runs, he stole 191 bags. Okay, this is what's crazy. He stole 191 bags. He's six foot six. He only won two Jeez. silver sluggers. So I'm gonna ask this question again because I shot. Man's like a gazelle foot. out there. I shot you yeah. guys in the foot. Is he the best Met of all time? Yes or no? No. No, I think it's David Wright still per season. I I say yes, but yes. I, I mean, the man played forever and had his whole career in New York, so you can't argue. You can't make a no. He's a goat for sure. Him, I. But. Daryl Strawberry, he also throwback Mets jersey. Else, so. Those are banging. Yes. All right, number two. That's, that's definitely on my hit list. Cleon Jones, 12 years, 1963 to 1975. Uh, there's some definitely some debate whether or not Cleon was the man for a spot on the roster over some other outfielders. However, he had one massive season that gives him the edge. And I'll talk about that in a second. In 12 seasons, he batted 281, 340, 406 with a 744 OPS. It's modest but productive stats across the board. The massive season of his career was with the Miracle Mets. All the way back in 1969, Cleon Jones had an incredible season in which he led the squad, led the squad to, to the win of the World Series. Over that year, he slashed 340, 422, 482 with an OPS of 902 and an OPS plus of 151. He also had a strong postseason and caught the final out of the World Series just to wrap it all up. Um, number three, we watched him play Carlos Beltran, seven seasons, 2005 to 2011, 280, 369, 500, 869 OPS, 149 home runs, 31.1 war, over seven seasons, which has him third in franchise history after David Ray and Daryl Strawberry. His seven-year, $119 million contract was the highest in franchise history at the time, and it proved to actually be a value for the Mets, which is rare when you talk about massive contracts. Out of the seven franchises he played for, he easily made the biggest impact here. In New York, he had five all-star appearances, three gold gloves, and two silver sluggers. Although his contract was big, it was not quite as memorable as the contract that Bobby Benilla has still to this day. Just a little slide away from the greatest players. Bobby Benilla was the highest paid player between 92 and 94. However, this contract he was on at the time has nothing to do with the money he would later earn after a second stint in New York in 1998. So in 98, he was traded back to the Mets. And then in 1999, after a poor season, the Mets released Vanilla, but they owed him $5.9 million. So Vanilla and his agent offered the Mets a deal, which was not a deal, but they took it. The deal was to defer the payment for a decade, and the Mets would then pay him an annual paycheck of $1.19 million starting in 2011 and ending in 2035. Adding to a payout of $29.8 million. They owed him $5.9, and they're now paying him $29.8 million as an old-ass man. And the Mets owner, Fred Wilpin, accepted this deal because 
he was invested with Bernie Madoff, who was the operator of a massive fucking Ponzi scheme. And he just got screwed. He thought that would the interest would just add up and you'd be able to pay Bobby Benella. But the Mets are still paying him a million dollars every year. And in New York, in Canada, we have Canada Day on July 1st. But in New York City and Queens, it July 1st is Bobby Benella Day. It is the <laughs> ultimate hustle. Congrats to Bobby Benella. He got that bag. Get and your bag. Back to... Also, back. I wanted to say... Also, just wanted to say Carlos Beltran, real quick. Yes. Uh, brief stint as manager. What, two days? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then he resigned. Classic. Um, all right, back to it. We're going honorable mentions. Mookie Wilson, who was a solid defensor, defender and is second in franchise history at 281 stolen bags. He is most well-known for being the dude that ruined Billy Buckner. This is, to hmm. me, this is amazing. I didn't know that it was him hitting a ground ball through the wickets of Buckner, which in turn won the World Series. Congratulations, you ruined a man's life and livelihood. <laughs> Shout out to Kevin McReynolds and maybe Michael Conforto pre-2021 and Rudy Staub mm-hmm. for being an elite pinch hitter who seemingly only... He literally made a career out of pinch hitting. Um, so if DH comes into effect... It, a guy Honorable like mention also to Daniel Murphy. We, we, I gave him that that's, that's a personal you bias. I'm giving him another too? one. Okay. I want to give him another one. <laughs> All right. So my best spot. So this spot comes down to Ed Cranepool and Howard Johnson, both of whom I've mentioned earlier. This may or may not upset Mets fans because I'm going off of production of tenure. And when I did more research, it wasn't even close, actually. Cranepool did not eclipse a double-digit war despite playing in by far the most games in franchise history or triple digit OPS plus in his career which is well below, which was below average Howard Johnson on the other hand was ranked 8th in franchise history for war he also had 330-30 seasons which i mentioned earlier OPS plus of 124 with the Mets the more i looked into it the bigger the gap i found to be honest there was like five more deserving dudes in Ed Cranepool Sorry for the disrespect to the fans because Ed Cranepool means a lot to this organization. He played like double the next guy in games, which is shocking that he still didn't have an OPS. I mean, not, didn't have a war that was double digits. Um, Johnson is also ranked fourth in home runs with nine, 192. Not to mention this man served as a mentor to the up-and-coming David Wright, who is top one in your entire franchise for positional players, I guess. By the end of my points, I'm questioning why I debated this at all. Howard Johnson is easily the bench player on this, and I'm good. That's it. Is Howard Johnson the owner of hotel chain Howard Johnson? You read my mind. Fortunately for him, fortunately for him it's not, because that would be just a tarnish on his legacy. This is the worst fucking hotel chain in the world. It's got to be, if, is it? It's if you can even call really, it a hotel. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like an hourly can, rate hotel. Yeah. I was going to say, can, yeah, can you rent it by the hour <laughs> at this point? I feel like at, at one point, I feel like it was like when it first came out, it was like an elite hotel. Just like a and holiday inn like, type shit. Do, those, do they even exist like, anymore? Holiday inns? it's like, this is where, no, no, this is this where is you go with, fuck a, up. with a hooker. Yeah. Do Howard Johnson still exist? I don't know. There was one in Kitchener, and it burned down, didn't it? Yeah, they were putting I up a condo there. Yeah, they, it's <laughs> definitely not there anymore. 
All right, I'm yeah. gonna leave. Thank you guys, right. Isaac. Thank you for joining. Thank you for uh, for that insight there into the starting lineup. That is the biggest task, and you killed it. Great work. Thank you. Shout out Daniel Murphy again. Just another honorable <laughs> mention to Daniel Murphy. Uh, I just think you know he he needs to have his respect. Oh, yeah. hold on, hold on. Although, hold do, you, on. do you guys remember when he threw the ball away though in the postseason? No. I can't remember exactly what game it was, but there was like a postseason uh, push that he was a part of, and he threw the ball like he had a, a a detrimental error in that. So Mets fans, like true Mets fans, probably actually hate Daniel Murphy. Shout out they, they love Marte. to hate people anyways. I just want to oh, shout God. out Starlin Marte. He will be on this roster, even though he's like 33. He's going to make it. Sure. Right. Yeah. See ya. Cool. See ya. Thanks, Isaac. All right, Greg and I, Greg and I are going to now discuss uh, the pitchers. Greg, should we start with uh, the bullpen? Because it is a little bit more boring. Sure. Fire it off. All right. So I have actually never heard of any of these pitchers actually that's not true i've heard of john franco I was, and we'll start with him i, guess. I was gonna say i probably couldn't name a single off the top of my head without looking into it couldn't name a single mets bullpen reliever other than edwin diaz yeah like current guys yeah. juris familia I'm sure oh you've, true you've, you've known about yeah you're right yep. all right well let's start with john franco uh he was a mets longtime lefty late inning reliever uh for 14 years so he was a four-time All-Star, one with the Mets, but uh, kind of deserved more than that if you actually dive into his numbers. Uh, two-time Rolaids reliever of the year. He's the Mets pitching leader in games played and games finished, as well as saves where he earned 276. Uh, in 1990, uh, this was like kind of his best year. Uh, he was ni- named the team captain. Uh, he was an All-Star and won the Rolaids reliever of the year award. Um, he's also now a member of the Mets Hall of Fame. So, you know, I think if you get a relief pitcher in your Mets Hall of Fame, I feel like you probably deserve a mention and a role in our all-time Mets bullpen because I don't know if any of them, I don't think any of the other bullpen guys that I came across are in the Mets Hall of Fame. Yeah. All right, next we've got a man who actually took the closer job from John Franco in 1999. And that is Armando Benitez. Uh, he spent five seasons with the Mets, and he was honestly just straight up nasty. He had a 270 ERA, 113 WHIP, and a 159 OPS plus. He was striking man's out like crazy. Uh, 11.8 K per nine, 160 saves is the second all time for the Mets, uh, and he played far less seasons than John Franco did. So. Honestly, quite impressive that, uh, you know, he mm-hmm. can accumulate 160 saves across those five seasons. Um, yeah. Yeah. Third and final. Greg, you want to you wanna tell us who it is? Sure. Again, someone I've personally never heard of. I don't know if I'm offending any older listeners by saying that. But Jesse Orozco, uh, you want me to go into a couple details you have listed here? Yeah, just name off, name off some of his stuff. Sure. Over eight seasons, mainly through the 80s. Uh, he was a World Series champion in 86, uh, 372 games in those seasons for a total of just a hair under six, 600 innings pitched, uh, accumulated 107 saves uh, with a 273 ERA and a 133 ERA plus. Yeah. So all in all, actually a pretty nasty bullpen when you when you think about it. And like 
see some of those numbers. That would be a nice little, you know, seven, eight, nine yeah. combo to have in the bullpen there. So also before we go go past this, one thing that came to mind, you mentioned uh Benitez was just nasty nasty strikeout numbers. I haven't thought of this name in years because he was so bad outside of like the one season, but his rookie year with the Yankees, do you remember Jabba Chamberlain? Yeah. Do you remember the tear he was on at the beginning of his career? Yeah. I, he was Jabba the Hutt era, right? When people were like, all yeah, he was a, like a big fan favorite at that point. I I can't remember what it was exactly. If it was a hitless or a straight strikeout streak, but I think he, if it was strikeouts, I think he struck out the first like 25 batters he faced in the MLB or something stupid like that. Hmm. Yeah. A little side comment there. He's my Daniel Murphy in a way. (laughs) <laughs> he's not even on the Mets. No. He's a Yankee. Yeah, still How'd New York. Fucking weasel in this conversation. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You'll always find a way. Eh? Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the guys who uh, you know bridge the gap to get to the to the late inning relievers here that we just discussed. Sure. Um, and speaking of late, late and great, Tom Seaver, he is for sure the ace in this rotation. Uh, he was a part of the Mets rotation from 1967 to 77 and then actually returned in 1983 he is the only hall of famer on this uh pitchers list here uh so far anyways um we'll see there yeah. could be a couple potential yeah. uh hall of famers he is basically the leader in every single mets pitching category um he is the leader in war for pitchers with 76.1, wins with 198, 3,045 innings pitched, 2,541 strikeouts, 395 games started, uh, complete games. He has 171 of those, 44 shutouts, and there's more as well, but they're kind of like the more you know, out there stats that we don't really care about as much or like aren't as noteworthy, but... If you go to the Mets baseball reference page for team leaders, you're basically going to see Tom Seaver <laughs> in every pitching category. Yeah. Uh, if if not one, then two. You know, he's he's everywhere um, outside of you know like saves because he was he's a starter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, 257 ERA, 107 WHIP, 136 ERA plus, and a 267 FIP. That's absolutely wild. wild. Um, he won one of his three Cy Youngs uh, with World Series winning 1969 Mets. Uh, obviously, those are the Miracle Mets that uh, I discussed in the intro there. Um, he's the Rookie of the Year winner, uh, 12-time All-Star, three-time ERA title. What more can you say about the legend Tom Seaver? I So a c- Just, uh, couple things from his baseball reference page that stand out to me or stood out to me. Um He's got those three Cy Youngs, but he finished top five in Cy Young voting just with the Mets. What? One, two, three, four, five, six times. He was second second in MVP voting in 1969. 25 wins. Insane. Like, you just you don't see that anymore. Pitchers don't go deep enough into games now. But that stands out to me. Yeah, that 1969 Miracle Mets team uh, that we talked about, too. Isaac mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, I forget what the name of that guy was. Um but yeah, he was saying that basically he had that one crazy. It was the the center fielder or whatever that Isaac picked. Yeah. Um, he had like a crazy ass season 
in that 1969 season. And I think that it's, we've been over this before, but when we find someone that was a huge contributor in a very important season of the team's history, we like to kind of give them the edge. Tom Seaver didn't need the edge, but he has it anyways, (laughs) you know, um, because he was a part of uh, the World Series champions there. And then, you know, three years after uh, he left the Mets in 1983, again, they, they won again. So, yeah, uh, pretty cool. He would be one of those guys. R.I.P. He'd be one of those guys that uh, would come to mind as like uh, the face of the Mets if it's not David Wright. Yeah. Well, do you want to tell us? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's actually that's actually true. D- David Wright is the first guy I think of for the Mets. But I think a lot of people who are probably older baseball fans uh, would probably have Tom Seaver as number one and rightfully so for sure yeah um it's just like you know he was pitching before we were even born yeah his career ended before we were even born so hard for him to be the face of the Mets franchise for us but definitely probably the the most important and influential player Mm -hmm. in Mets history I think kids that are super young now would have number three on your list or our list here as their face of the Mets just because of the time bias but Without talking too much about that, I'll get into the next guy on our list. Uh, that is Dwight Gooden, uh, also known as Dr. K or uh, Doc. I'll reserve that nickname for uh, the true Doc of our Doc era, Doc Halliday. Yeah. Uh, over 11 seasons with the Mets, he is a current member of the Mets Hall of Fame and a World Series champ. Uh, in the 10 seasons from 84 to 93, his numbers played out a little bit like this. Uh, 154 wins, uh, 81 losses, 304 ERA, 116 whip. 273 FIP, 118 ERA plus, and an absolutely measly 0.5 home runs per nine innings. I see Zoe's joined us. <laughs> You're on mute. Um, he won Rookie of the Year in 1984 with a 260 ERA and a league leading 276 Ks, 169 FIP, 107 WHIP, 6.6 hits per nine, 0.03 home runs per nine, and 11.4 Ks per nine. Only second in Cy Young, though, voting that is. Um, the following year, even better numbers that earned him the pitching triple crown and the Cy Young, and also a fourth in MVP voting. Uh, those numbers super quick, uh, 153 ERA, 24 wins, 16 complete games. Crazy, wild, don't see that anymore. Uh, 276.2 innings pitch, 268 Ks, 229 ERA plus, and 213 FIP. Um, he had a lot of personal health issues in the back half of his career, um, and he was kind of part of some bad, mediocre terms in on-field performance. Um, did you want to talk about his character at all? I know you have a few notes here. I mean, I'm not going to try to bash a guy too much uh, because, you know, you never know what's going on in someone's life. Uh, But he definitely had some sketchy things happen. Uh, You know, Isaac is quick to call like Jose Reyes a piece of shit and stuff for the for the woman beating and all of that. Um, There was definitely some suspect things with Doc Gooden here as well that kind of tarnished his legacy. Well, not kind of. They definitely tarnished his legacy. he had multiple DWIs, which is driving well under the influence. Uh, and one of them was actually like as recent as 2019. So still facing ongoing issues here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he fled the scene of an accident, basically. Um, cocaine possession charges. Uh, he punched his girlfriend and spent some time in prison for that. Um, so obviously, same thing as Jose Reyes. 
definitely not the best guy, but his numbers are like too good to not put him on this team just based on that. So uh, we definitely don't approve of Dwight Gooden's life choices, but he's still going to be our number two and he's a nasty number two. So yeah, agree. Yeah. Uh, oh, a uh, fun, fun fact about him too. Uh, he's also Gary Sheffield's uncle. Crazy. Just Baseball just runs in the family. Yep. All right. Number three, Greg was uh, discussing the fact that, you know, maybe we got a future hall of famer here. Uh, someone that the younger Mets fans definitely will look up to for years to come. And, you know, are looking up to right now. Jacob DeGrom. So, potentially the most dominant Mets pitcher of all time. Unfortunately, he has and continues to deal with injury issues. Uh, You know, that's a tale as old as time. Mm -hmm. You get someone super, super talented, and they have trouble staying on the field, and it really affects their overall legacy and, uh, you know, career value basically, but he's been nothing but spectacular when he's been on the field across eight seasons and 1,261 innings pitched. He's pitched to the tune of a 250 ERA, 101 whip, 264 FIP. He has uh, 1,505 strikeouts, which is a 10.7 K per nine, 157 ERA plus, uh, that has earned him four all-star appearances, two Cy Youngs, Rookie of the Year, and an ERA title. Um, also, this season, as this was like something that I would have liked to have added to our, our top 10 that we you know, discussed um, in our last episode there, but didn't end up uh, cracking it because he, again, fell victim to the injury bug. But prior to getting injured this season, he racked up uh, a 7-2 and record, a 108 ERA. Uh, this was, again, across 15 starts. 7-2 and record, 108 ERA, uh, 0.55 whip. <laughs> 0.55 and five. The, the craziest stat to me, across 15 starts, he had a 5-war. <laughs> Um, also, I believe his ERA plus, I don't actually have it recorded here, but I think that it was like a 244 ERA yeah, it plus was, or something. Let me just, it was way north of 200. Okay. Just confirming here, his ERA plus was actually 373 across 15 starts. So that basically means he was 273% better than your major league average pitcher. So that just speaks to the absolute dominance that he is capable of. All right, number four on this list, we have Jerry Kuzman. He is a two-time All-Star and part of the Miracle Mets 1969 World Series champions. Uh, He played 12 seasons with the Mets, 2,544 innings pitched, 309 ERA, 121 whip, 1,800 strikeouts. Uh, The numbers that really jump off the page here for me for Jerry Kuzman are his 108 complete games and 26 shutouts, uh, which is quite impressive. Um, he also played on some really shitty teams, which kind of hurt his ability to, you know, rack up wins and like some of the other accolades. Uh, we obviously know that back in the day, if your team was shit, there wasn't a lot of all stars coming from bad teams 
they just didn't and like they also factored in wins so much into you know Cy Young voting and all-star voting and stuff that he was definitely hurt accolade wise by the fact that he played on bad teams so uh, you know better than the accolade show Jerry Kuzman that's our number four Greg do you want to give us our our fifth and final spot here Sure. Rounding out the rotation, we got John Matlick, again, a guy who played and retired by the time we were born. Uh, His seasons were from 71 to 77, um, 1900s, that is, not the 1800s, not that old. Uh, He pitched to a tune of a 303 ERA with a 1.19 whip, 288 FIP, and a 115 ERA+. Uh, 65 complete games, not too shabby. 26 shutouts, which I think is a a pretty significant number. Uh, just a hair under 1,500 innings pitched at 1448. Uh, his accolades include a Rookie of the Year, three All-Star nods, and an All-Star Game MVP. Not to be uh, not to be outdone. Um, last spot could have gone maybe to Sid Fernandez. Uh, better at striking guys out with a higher K per nine, and he also has a World Series ring, which I think you know usually plays a pretty big role. If you can win some ships, you're a little more valuable. Um, I guess I guess we landed yeah, on Matlick. I mean, ultimately, I landed on Matlick just due to the better ERA, FIP, and the complete games and shutouts. I think ER like ERA obviously can be kind of, um, you can get kind of lucky and end up with a good ERA. But the fact that his FIP was so good too, um, you know, better than his ERA actually. So yeah. he, his ERA actually should have been lower basically. Um, yeah. I think I think he was deserving, yeah. but like I mentioned, um, Sid Fernandez also definitely gets an honorable mention. He had some some good years there as well. Um, you know, World Series champion in 1986, I believe he was part of that team, not the '69 team. Um, yeah, a couple of honorable mentions. We'll uh, we'll go to Ra Dickey, which is actually kind of funny to think about that a knuckleballer is is on our list here, but he actually had three really good years uh, and won a Cy Young with them in 2012, I believe that was. That was the year prior to him coming to the Blue Jays. Um, Ron Darling, uh, you know, long long tenure guy, racked up a lot of uh, cumulative stats um, and just was a big part of their rotation for a while. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, who was really, really good when he was healthy, but has just dealt with so many injuries that he wasn't really able to be on here. Mm-hmm. Um, Al Leiter, also another, or Leiter, I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. I think it's Leiter. Um, yeah, he, he came up a lot on here. Oh, yeah, because it's like Jack Leiter's dad. I yeah, think, yeah. Right? yeah. Or some, some family relation. Um, but, yeah, he definitely deserved to be there or, like, get an honorable mention. Uh, and then I also had Matt Harvey here. The just Dark because, Knight. Exactly. Do you remember, like, that rotation of, DeGrom, Syndergaard, Harvey, uh, Steven Matz, and who was the other guy? Back when they were healthy. Uh, yeah. They had like they had a sick rotation at one point. It was mm-hmm. like the best in the league. Yeah. Uh, Matt Harvey was a big part of that. He also had like two like really good seasons, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was two or maybe even just one. But he was like one of the best pitchers in the league at one point and then fell off a cliff. Uh so <laughs> overall yeah. he doesn't he doesn't have what it takes to make the rotation but you know just uh still a noteworthy fella also yeah. on the note of uh having a knuckleballer as an honorable mention do you think tim wakefield makes the red sox honorable mentions 
Yeah, well, we we could definitely give him an honorable mention. But I think the there's going to be a lot of honorable mentions for the Red Sox once we get to yeah. the Yankees and the Red Sox. Man, there's it's like Cardinals, those teams Dodgers. are so old. Like the yeah, Dodge exactly. That there's just going to be so many guys that are getting left off. Like you could easily make like a team one and a team two for those teams and yeah. have them probably beat some of our other like team ones. You know, like yeah. the like- the Arizona. Diamondbacks are getting smoked by the the Cardinals' second team. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree. Also, based on how we did the Mariners too, with you know you can't put a Rod there, you can't put a lot of guys because they have better seasons elsewhere. They would probably get smacked around too. All right, that just about does it for this episode of Diamond Gems. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed our Mets all-time team recap, be sure to go back and check out our. Other episodes, we've broken down, uh, I don't know, like 10 or 12 other teams already. We're racking up quite the record here. Um, So, yeah, definitely go check those out. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram, we are at Sports. We also have a website, shapebysports.com, where you can check out a bunch of blogs and find our information about our latest podcasts. And we have a bunch of other sports going on as well. We've got a hockey podcast now. Do some football stuff. Got MMA going on. So, yeah, be sure to tune into all of that. 